Hi there, you're listening to the Crunchy Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Rosie, traditional Catholic wife and mother, bringing you messages of hope and encouragement during these crazy times that we're in. Here we'll talk about faith, motherhood, and natural living, but also all the areas in between. I want to help you not just survive motherhood, but thrive in it. In this day and age, we have so many resources at the tip of our fingers if only we put in the effort. I am a firm believer in personal development and always striving to put our best foot forward. Sometimes that means the more technical matters like baby wearing or sleep training, but it also refers to the most important matters such as prayer life and living out the truths of our Catholic faith. While all these resources are nice, I also know that it can be a bit overwhelming knowing where to even begin. That's why I'm here to help you find the balance between all the things that come with mom life while also living out your Catholic faith in a way that is pleasing to God and effective to the development of your soul and the souls of your children. After all, that's why we're here. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hello, friends. I am so, so happy to be recording this episode today telling you about the birth of my sweet little boy, Nolan. And it's not so much going to be your typical birth story telling you all about labor and delivery and all that jazz, which it will include some of that. But more so, this is like an overall overview of all the story that led up to this very, very life-changing event for me. And it's a little bit vulnerable to share all of this, but really, I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate in some way with maybe something that you prayed for for a long time in your life and finally received, or maybe didn't receive, but had like a mental shift on accepting God's will. Really just the whole backstory behind what led up to this big event. So that includes a little bit of the story of both of my other two children And any of you who know me, you already know probably my story of my two C-sections. And if you don't know me, I have, I mean, I've been sharing on my past few podcast episodes, as well as much of my social media content, emails, etc., that I have been praying and praying and hoping and wishing for a successful home birth with my third little guy after two C-sections. And basically, in this episode, I'll share you know, why that was so important and the whole mental shift, emotional shift, spiritual shift, physical preparation that went behind it because it was a lot. So I went back and forth on even doing an episode on this, but because of how much I shared about, hey, please pray for me, please pray for this petition, etc. I was feeling weird recording any other podcast episode besides this. I have such a long list of podcast episodes to record, and I'm excited to record them, but I felt like this one just needed to happen first because it's kind of like anyone who has been listening has probably been waiting to hear how it went, and not only that, but this experience, oh my goodness, I'm going to get choked up, was such a life-changing event for me. Okay, I have never done this on a podcast. I'm going to collect myself here. This experience was so life-changing and so, it was such a like self-identifying moment for me and all that led up to it and all that has happened after it that to continue on producing content with the Crunchy Catholic, which is so much of just who I am, what I believe, what I stand for, 
it really was such a pivotal moment that it it just has to be shared. And I'm so excited to share it. And I think that sharing it is going to explain maybe the pivot that you all will notice. I really feel like it was such a positive turning point for me in my life and my my mental health and all these different things. So with that big, long introduction, I'm not going to have this be too long. I'm actually on a time crunch about to take my baby to his two-week appointment, and I'm purposely putting myself on a time crunch. Otherwise, I'll make this like forever and ever long. So looking back at the birth of my first baby, she so she's four and a half years old, so four and a half years ago, Leading up to getting close to my due date, you know, I was planning a hospital birth, but as natural and intervention-free as possible, and I know everyone has their different opinions and what have you on, you know, natural birth versus maybe epidural or induction, C-section, etc. But obviously, as I'm sure you could guess by the crunchy Catholic, I am very, very natural-minded, and it's a huge, huge deal to me because I believe that God made us to be able to do this and equipped us to be able to do this. I believe that, you know, medical intervention, medicine, even not referring to labor and delivery, but even just health and wellness overall, those things are great when necessary. And when they are necessary, you know, thank goodness for them, because they truly do save lives sometimes. But a lot of the time, and if you're natural minded like me, you already know this, a lot of the time, Those things are very, very overused, abused, and even to the extent of, I will say it, a lot of it has become about money. It's really terrible, but it has, um, you know, charging people an arm and a leg for medicine that maybe they don't even need, but not giving them their other options of treating whatever ailment it is with holistic approaches and so on. But that's another episode for another time. So here I am, first time mom, going into my pregnancy, trying to do things, you know, as natural as possible, doing all my research and knowing all the facts of why it's the best way, etc. And around 33 weeks pregnant, I discovered that Mackenzie was breech position. And all I knew about that was that it was really rare and really scary to be born breech and that these days a breech baby was a for sure C-section. That is what was presented to me by my doctor. And basically, I spent the next several weeks trying so many different ways, everything under the sun, to flip her, everything you could think of, the most special chiropractor in town, all these different things, and she just did not want to flip. I even tried the oh, I can't remember. It's like something's version where I actually was admitted to the hospital, put on an IV, in the gown, in bed, and two doctors like physically forcibly try to flip her. And it was extremely painful. They offered pain medicine to me and I was like, oh no, it's fine. If I'm going to try to do a nat- you know, a natural birth, I need to do this natural. And it totally shocked me how painful that was. I almost passed out. So anyway, it was obviously unsuccessful. So jump to the birth of Mackenzie. At 39 weeks, I had a C-section, a scheduled C-section with her. And it was just really, really, really hard for me to mentally process that. Just (laughs) being one of eight daughters. So I have seven sisters. It's really awesome. And I'm very blessed Seven sisters, at the time of Mackenzie being born, she was the 20-something grandkid. So all of my sisters older than me had already had children. My mom obviously had eight children. 
no one had had a C-section. It was something so foreign to me that I just was like so confused because for someone very natural minded, I wanted to be a midwife all growing up. I ended up changing my mind, but I still very much have and still have that complete fascination, appreciation, love for you know, childbirth and all things baby. So I just kept feeling, why me? Why me? The recovery was obviously not great. C-section recovery is really long and drawn out and it's just not a natural thing that you're recovering from. So to be able to not even sit up in bed to feed your baby when she cries, you know, without like the help of your husband to sit up because you have absolutely zero core muscles that are working is really mentally difficult to handle along with all the other things of first-time mom, you know, all the postpartum stuff that goes along with it. So it was hard, but I got through it. And then jumping forward to my son, Hunter, he was born two and a half years ago, so they're exactly two years apart. I, again, did all the research and started to feel almost even more resentful of my C-section with Mackenzie because... I found out that not all doctors will have you schedule a C-section for being for baby being breached. Some doctors will allow you to go into labor because sometimes baby flips during labor and a lot of doctors will encourage you to wait the 40 weeks or even past that because baby still might flip. Whereas for me, my doctor had me do my C-section at 39 weeks because she said it would be really dangerous if I went into labor. So to not chance labor, you know, we did the C-section at 39 weeks. It made sense to me at the time, but then doing all my research, I started to feel really robbed and kind of lied to. And the more things I researched, the more I just felt really, really dissatisfied with my experience with my OB and the office. And just thinking back to how my whole, you know, prenatal care went versus what I then discovered with my research, I was starting to just feel really like, oh, wow, they sure take advantage of first-time moms not knowing any better, etc. So the second go-around, I decided the odds were in my favor. I mean, it is by a long shot statistically that a home birth VBAC, so VBAC is vaginal birth after C-section, in order for me to try for a VBAC, I discovered that my odds were literally over 90% that I would succeed if I had a home birth versus at a hospital. And this varies different hospitals, obviously, but the average was like less than 30%, literally. So you might be thinking, that's absolutely bizarre. How can that be? Well, it is just a difference of, you know, some might hate me for saying this, but the midwives, they truly just have your best interest at heart. They truly want things to go, of course, healthy and well for mama and baby, but they also want to absolutely respect your wishes and they value your birth experience as the utterly important thing that it is. Whereas hospitals, it's just different. There's a lot of hustle and bustle of hospitals. These doctors are you know, used to doing surgery. To some of them, it's kind of a go-to thing. And they have lots of scary liabilities hanging over their head where Uh, If you've ever seen, what is it called? The Business of Being Born is a documentary. Literally, doctors were admitting that a C-section holds the least amount of liability out of any other, you know, birth 
any other method of birth, like as far as induction or this or that, if a doctor performs a C-section and something still goes wrong, there's basically no liability because the mom pretty much signs off on like, hey, anything could happen. Here's my signature. Whereas, you know, for example, trying to deliver a V-back if something goes wrong, there's a bunch of liability. Anyway, it's kind of complicated, but if you've ever done the research on it, and if you're listening to this birth story, you probably already are into this sort of thing, then you know just how strongly the difference is between home birth, midwife, even birth centers versus the hospitals and kind of the agenda that the doctors are going off of. So with all that, I decided to plan a home birth, and actually, I didn't decide it from the beginning. I didn't even switch to the plan of a home birth until after 30 weeks. I think I was like 32, because that is right when COVID happened and all the rules that came with it. So here I was trying to schedule my VBAC to be at the hospital with a provider different than my first a provider who was pretty known in the area for VBAC deliveries and success rates. But then when all the COVID rules happened, the most, the biggest rule being that I could only have one person there, which would mean my husband. And I really also wanted my mom there. That was a huge, huge deal to me. I decided to start researching home birth. And that's when I came across all the humongous statistics for VBACs at home versus hospital. So I switched to a home birth plan with a midwife and long story short, jumped to the day I went into labor about three days overdue and I was laboring for about 12 hours. Things were going, you know, what I thought pretty normal, but my son was really stressing out, you could say. So my midwife kept doing the Doppler during contractions and he did not have a very good heart rate. It was getting a bit lower and a bit lower. And we just thought, okay, maybe, you know, maybe he's just about to flip into position and then he'll be fine. And I wasn't even progressing. So the whole 12 hours I was staying at a four, something just wasn't really going right. So by the end of the 12 hours, my midwife checked him during another contraction and his heart rate was really bad, really, really, really low. And we didn't know why, but she made the very wise call of, Rosie, you should probably pack your bag for the hospital. And I said, okay, like I was open to this being a possibility. It's okay. And we packed my things and my mom drove me to the hospital and I only lived about five minutes away. So I, you know, I had all of that in mind when I scheduled the home birth. I knew I was very close to a hospital and I knew I was very open to transferring if need be. So we transferred to the hospital and probably not five to 10 minutes after being in my patient room with many, many staff members in there, they tried different positions and his heart rate was just not correcting itself. So they basically said, you know, we need to get him out of there. He is not even not even doing okay through contractions, let alone when he starts to descend. Like I just, for whatever reason, he's not handling it. So we said, okay, we understand. And I underwent my second C-section. So immediately after that happened, I of course was just beyond, beyond grateful that he was okay and that I was okay. And of course, that is the most important thing. And I will say with a little caveat here, a lot of people will say, oh, happy, healthy baby is all that matters. And I will correct that and say it is absolutely, absolutely not all that matters. It is what is the most important, absolutely. But to completely overlook 
mom's experience and mom's wishes and mom's plans being completely shot to, you know, the absolute opposite thing happened. To say that none of that matters is shocking that anyone would feel that way. Here, when postpartum mental health is such a big focus in today's society, to have the same people sitting there saying, all that matters is a healthy baby is very counterintuitive. It doesn't make any sense. Mom's experience absolutely matters. The most important thing is a healthy baby. But to say that mom's wishes and birth plan not going as she wanted isn't a big deal. It is a big deal. It's absolutely a big deal. (laughs) And I even might kind of expand on that whole concept one day because it's such a big deal to me. I created a separate Instagram account specifically to share about informed consent and moms getting the birth that they desired, et cetera, et cetera, because of having gone through this recent experience with my third son and how wonderful it was for me. So anyway, I digress. My second baby being born by C-section. At the time, I, of course, was very glad that he was healthy and I was healthy. But of course, as the days and weeks wore on, and I started to process what happened, it just was very discouraging that I had now had two C-sections and no vaginal births previously, which does make a difference when you go to have a V-back. If you've never had a vaginal birth and you're trying for a V-back, you're kind of viewed as like not a super, super likely candidate. And so I was just feeling really discouraged. I as a Catholic and as coming from a big family, I, I do think I'll have a pretty decent sized family. And the thought that I had already had two C-sections was terrifying that I was going to maybe always only be C-sections. I was thinking to myself, if his heart rate dropped, which we still didn't know why, even when he was delivered by C-section, I was thinking if it dropped, was it, you know, was it because of some sort of scar tissue? Was it uterine rupture was about to happen? Like we just didn't know. And I thought to myself, this is going to happen every time I try isn't like this is this is going to be it every single time and I started to get some really fearful thoughts about that and I really didn't experience any healing whatsoever for a really long time I thought to myself that I was healed and recovered from my first c-section when I was preparing for my second but I totally wasn't like once I started to actually heal and process, I realized how very unhealed I was after my first C-section. I basically viewed the birth of my son, my second C-section, I basically viewed that as this labor needs to go well, meaning a successful VBAC. This needs to be a VBAC in order for me to heal. That is how I saw it. I absolutely was like depending on that to mentally and emotionally heal me. And because of that, obviously, when it did not go as expected, that was really, really difficult for me to process. And this isn't to say that I was just this totally depressed person, not at all. That's totally not the case. But deep down and in the back of my head, and whenever I started thinking about, you know, adding another to our family, all these thoughts came flooding back of like, am I ever going to be able to deliver a baby naturally? And so when we got pregnant with our third, so, you know, whatever, nine months and some change ago, I started to really realize that I needed to proactively do some work to heal myself mentally and emotionally. Physically, you know, I was doing pretty good. I was pretty healed. I was down to pre-baby weight. Like I was fine. I was 
pretty fit, I felt like, but the mental and emotional aspect was lacking as far as being healed and prepared for another birth. So now that I knew we were pregnant, I was like, all right, we need to seriously, I need to seriously change something. So I got a bunch of books. I did a bunch of praying. I did a bunch of journaling. And I didn't do any of this after my first. I really just was trying to put it out of my head after my first. I I didn't really want to think about it because it scared me to give, to entertain that thought. I didn't want to because I didn't want to feel the grief again. I didn't want to feel the bitter resentment. I wanted to just avoid it. And basically, I was like, well, when I get my birth experience that I want, I'll be fine. And then, of course, it didn't go as planned. And so I was just worse off than I was the first time. And it is different that my second one, I truly believe, was a necessary C-section. But I also, I just kind of wonder if part of my body was not progressing or fully letting go, surrendering to labor because I was holding on to so much resentment. And some of you listening might think that sounds crazy, but some of you listening who are very, I guess, versed in, you know, mental awareness and how much the mind and body are connected, I truly do think that that could have been a big part of it because I absolutely wasn't healed. I wasn't recovered. I was deep down terrified of having another C-section. And then that's exactly what happened. So with my third pregnancy, as the pregnancy wore on, I got all these books and I really surrendered to giving thought to how I felt about it, allowing myself to feel bitter about it and, you know, journaling that, even drawing it. There was one of, there was a book that was like, draw what you think of when you went through your C-sections. And I did just that. It was actually a, an image of like, there were handcuffs on my hand, like in the image that I drew because that's how it felt. You just feel like you're a total prisoner to what's happening. You're out of everyone in the room. You're the one completely with zero control over what's happening. And you're the one who it's happening to. It's just a very weird feeling. You feel very kind of victimized to like, all right, this baby is just being pulled out of me. And I there's nothing I can do right now. I, I vomited during both my C-sections. I kind of had a breathing scare during my first one. It just, it wasn't great. <laughs> and I don't think major surgery really ever is. But of course, there's just so much more to it. The emotional aspect of not bringing your baby into the world the way that you expected, the way that we were created to do. There's a lot to it. So with all of this journaling and reading and healing and praying, I would say the biggest turning point for me was one night when I realized, okay, everything that happens in life, God allows. So absolutely everything that has ever happened or will happen is his will. And granted, there's free will. You know, we all have free will. So that means there are going to be things. Of course, that's why you have bad and evil in the world is because God gave us free will. So even though he doesn't necessarily want bad things to happen, bad things still do happen because we all have free will. But with regards to my two C-sections, I started to realize, you know what? How untrusting of me in God to think that these weren't part of his will. And it was such an eye-opening realization to me to feel like, you know what? For whatever reason that I don't know yet, God willed these two C-sections to happen. I'm the only one, you know, still to this day, there's now over 30 grandchildren in my family. 
Still no one else has had a C-section except for me with my two. And I just, I was viewing it as like, I don't think, like, I don't think that's just a fluke that I had two. I think for whatever reason, God allowed that to happen. And I started to feel like, you know, maybe I started to have this little glimmer of hope. I was like, maybe with this third who we're expecting, it will be my successful VBAC story. And that story to share, even if it just helps one other mom to be encouraged enough to go for a VBAC or even, you know, to go for a home birth after a traumatic hospital birth doesn't necessarily have to be C-section VBAC story. Even if just one mom is encouraged by that, it will have been worth it for me. Or maybe down the road, maybe my daughter will have you know, some sort of similar traumatic birth experience, and I'll be the one to be able to help her fight for the birth she wants the next go around, whatever it may be, I started to really realize that who am I to question what God allowed to happen. So that right there left me with so much peace and so much healing. And I would say the second biggest thing that really, really, really helped was talking about it. I didn't really talk about it a whole lot before. And talking about it is easier said than done because you you kind of got to find the right people to talk about it with. It needs to be someone who is going to validate what you're saying because if you're sharing it with someone who's going to say, well, at least your baby's healthy, that doesn't help at all. And I started I started to actually find that there were more people than I realized in my circle of, you know, friends and family who were really able to hear me out and help me and validate those feelings and even just be a sounding board for me to express why it was so hard for me to have two C-sections. So talking about it helped tremendously. Surrendering it to God's will helped tremendously. Journaling about it, reading about it. And then I also did... I I did a little bit of like physical healing, if you will, that I had not the first go around. I did some chiropractic care, massage, cupping. My sister's a massage therapist and she helped me with massaging the scar, uh, the actual incision scar, as well as cupping it, which is a massage technique that you use suction cups that actually kind of pull blood and muscle like upward instead of obviously a massage technique pushes it downward. So it's just a way of increasing blood flow to start to kind of speed up some healing because as I was growing my belly, I realized that my scar tissue wasn't as healed as I thought it was because I was experiencing a lot of pain and I just knew that, okay, instead of just saying, woe is me, I have this painful scar tissue, I'm going to actually do something about it this time. So that's why I did the massage, the chiropractic care, and, you know, some different stretches at home. And then again, a lot of the the reading for the mental healing, a lot of praying for the spiritual healing and the the physical healing of the chiropractic care and massage care. And my goodness, by a couple months, you know, shy of my due date, I was starting to feel like a whole new person. And basically my approach to this third birth was, you know, I told myself, okay, no matter how this goes, I already feel healed. And that was so, that was such a big pivotal moment for me was realizing that before my second, I was relying on that birth experience for my healing. And with my third, 
I said, you know, I've already done the healing and thank you God for allowing this to happen because now I feel ready for whatever may come. And I am going to do my very, very, very best at a home birth, which actually I guess I didn't even cover that yet. But again, I realized even more so this go around compared to my second, even more so The odds were in my favor to have a home birth versus a hospital. Basically, statistically, what I found was that a hospital, you know, now it would be called a VBA2C, like VBAC after two C-sections in a hospital, the odds were not very great. Like really, they were not that great. And home birth, they were still up above that 90% mark. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I, again, live five minutes away from the hospital, so it was a completely safe decision for me to choose that. And something else that's actually pretty cool that I think is relevant, my two younger sisters, I don't know if I've shared this in any other podcast episode, but out of my seven sisters, um, almost all of us were pregnant this year and had a baby, which is just crazy because the oldest and the youngest are at an overlap of you know, probably my oldest sister's last baby and my youngest sister's first baby and pretty cool. But anyway, my younger two sisters, who I am probably the closest to the two of them out of my sisters, they're kind of who I grew up with. They both had their first baby literally a few days apart from each other. And they both did a home birth and their due dates were about two months before mine. So their home births went beautifully. I actually attended one of them and the other one, you know, took a video. So I was able to see that. And they both, you know, of course, labor is hard. But as far as the the grand scheme of things, it was a beautiful, successful home birth in the water. Basically, it was, you know, it was everything that I had hoped for with my second. And I was so happy for them. I couldn't believe that I was... I wasn't bitter at all. I wasn't jealous even. I was truly just so happy for them. And I was really glad that I had already done all that emotional work, the mental healing and whatnot, because I would have been really sad if I was overcome with jealousy. That would have just totally taken away from from what should have been total joy and happiness for them. And so because I had done that healing, I truly was so, so happy for them. It was so wonderful to see both of them having that experience. And I actually ended up choosing to go with the same midwife who delivered both of their babies, who was actually a different midwife than my second um, son who I tried to have at home. So she was just kind of becoming like a part of our family. She was now at, you know, two of my sister's home births and she actually had delivered for another sister who had a home birth two years prior. And so by the time mine was coming around, I told her, you know, after mine, you will have delivered for half of my, half of the eight of us, which is pretty cool. So seeing my sisters in their home births just was so beautiful and got me even more excited for my plans to have a home birth in the water. And as my due date was coming up, so a couple weeks before my due date, I was starting to get to that like end of the pregnancy irritability that I didn't remember being as bad with my first two, but I was just, I was struggling. I was like really snappy at my kids, very, very uncomfortable. All these different symptoms just all flaring up at once where I just was like, man, I am finding myself moodier than, you know, moodier than not most days. Like it just, I wasn't liking how I was feeling and I had a day that was seriously so pivotal. 
I went up to our church because two of my sisters, <laughs> not the two younger sisters, but two other sisters who had their babies between the younger two and my due date, that's literally how many of us had babies this year, their two babies were having a double baptism up at our church. So this was about two weeks before my due date. And I attended the baptism. So being up at church on a weekday, which turned into kind of evening time, we were all outside with some cake and ice cream after the baptisms. And because we were up at church, it was also the holy hour that evening. So there happened to be confession as we were all leaving. So I just went to confession because, hey, there was no line. And I came out feeling really, really good and just really renewed and like ready for labor and delivery because I didn't feel ready before. I felt very mentally like ornery, if you will. And after confession and just being like, you know, kind of talking to the priest about how I was feeling and how I wanted to just go into this third kid with a clean slate of, you know, mental just happiness and all that jazz, I felt really good coming out of confession. And then outside, the sun was setting and we have this large like walking rosary pathway at our church and there's a huge life-size crucifix and the way the sun was setting it was like shining behind the cross there were literally rays like coming out of Jesus like orange rays of sunlight it was so beautiful and breathtaking I walked over to take a picture of it so maybe I'll have to somehow include that in the notes here for you to look at I also took a video I walked over to it and no one else was that close to it. We were all kind of, they were all kind of elsewhere with the dessert and hanging out. So I kind of just had this moment there with God and I truly felt like, I felt like this big sigh and just felt the words like, I'm ready. Like I suddenly felt so ready. I felt so light, like I wasn't weighed down anymore by the negativity that was kind of getting at me over the last few weeks. And it was just a really beautiful feeling. I was so grateful because I was stressing out the fact that I was feeling the way I was feeling. Because I was like, I can't go into labor feeling this way. What's going to happen? So I had that moment and it was beautiful. So, you know, the, the evening ends, we go home and I actually started to feel kind of some like Braxton Hicks going to bed that night. And it was actually intense enough that I was not able to go to sleep. So I kind of just got back up and was doing some stuff on my computer, some work stuff to sort of distract myself and thought maybe when they go away, I'll try to go to sleep. So by then it's like 1am. I was like, all right, these are really painful, but I'm just going to lay down. And I think I was laying down for maybe two hours. So about 3 a.m., I wake up and I was like, all right, I really can't lay down anymore. These are super painful. These, you know, these darn Braxton Hicks. So I start timing them and I'm like, oh, these are like really regular for Braxton Hicks. And wouldn't you know it, I'm actually in labor (laughs) two weeks before my due date. And I didn't even have time to start like building up anxiety for the labor. I just, it was so bizarre to me that I was already going into labor. I actually was still in denial at this point. So from 3 a.m. to about 5.30, I was just breathing through these and timing them and they were still completely regular. They were literally a minute long and about two minutes apart. Just right off the bat, that was their pattern. And I was thinking to myself, this is just bizarre. This is 12 days early. Everyone in my family is always late. You know, is this really happening? But I still kept timing them. And I thought, you know, there's no reason to really alarm anyone just yet. By the time my husband woke up, I 
I kind of told him, like, I'm not really sure if this is the real thing. You can just go into work. And I literally told him it was fine to go to work. So he goes to work, which is only about 15 minutes away. And by 6 a.m., I felt like it was an okay time to call my midwife. I would have called her earlier if I thought I was, like, majorly in hard labor. But I was kind of in denial. So I call her. And I tell her, like, how far apart they are and stuff. And I was like, but, you know, it's probably not because I'm 12 days early. And she told me, Rosie, if it feels like labor, it's probably labor. And I was like, okay, you're probably right. Anyways, jump a couple hours ahead and my midwife shows up. My mom shows up. I called my husband back home from work because I was crazy for sending him. And my sister came and got the kids, although that actually took a while because there was a big, like, car seat hoop de law not fitting in the car something where I was actually like in my bedroom laboring for a couple hours like still hearing my kids like somebody get them out of here <laughs> I kind of already said my goodbyes to them you know two and four year old but I also was like they need to be gone before I can go back out there because I just I don't want to have them see me like breathing through these contractions or whatever so they finally were gone and they started filling up the the water um, the birthing pool and by about 10, I was checked and I was at a seven. I wasn't even ever checked at being anything less than a seven. So when she was checking me, I was like, okay, please, please don't be a three or a four like I was last time. And she goes, oh, you're at a seven. So I was like, okay, this is definitely the real deal. Like I officially cannot deny that this is labor happening right now. So I was very excited for that and looking around our room, seeing the the little baby bassinet and the changing table and the outfits and the diapers and the baby wipes, like I literally had gone absolute nesting crazy the last couple of weeks leading up to that. So it started to make sense to me why I was because apparently instinctively I knew that I was going to have him early and there was literally nothing not ready. Like absolutely everything was ready. So I was really grateful for that looking around realizing, oh, I don't need to stress that nothing's ready because everything is ready to go and this is I welcome this labor like this is this is great this is what I've been building up to and when I was laboring in my room I actually was looking at my affirmations that I had just compiled I actually put them on my phone to like a slideshow with music the night before like at 1 a.m. when I couldn't sleep even though I didn't think it was labor but apparently in the back of my head I did and so I watched that like over and over and over again while I was breathing through contractions and then when they got super intense, which apparently was transition time, I, you know, the affirmations went out the window and I just really had to work my way through the next hour or so. And I don't think I'm going to get super detailed on like the birth story here because it is a podcast, which is pretty public. But as far as the mental behind it, things were going pretty well up to this point. And then came time to push and little Nolan was kind of being a bit stubborn but his heart rate was doing phenomenal so every time she checked him his heart rate was just completely solid and I you know sighed a big sigh of relief because that was not the case with Hunter so I thought to myself okay even though he is like having a hard time descending or what have you, his heart rate is still doing really great. If he can do this, I can do this. Like, we've got this. And just kept reminding myself that this was, you know, the birth experience that I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for literally for, you know, five years. And I can do this. I can do this. And the pushing, it was literally a three-hour ordeal. Very, very, very difficult and painful. And there was a couple times of scare 
where my lower belly, kind of like the inner incision area from my C-sections, was starting to kind of hurt. And I sort of panicked because obviously the number one concern for VBACs is uterine rupture, which is actually a very, very slim chance, but it is the biggest thing you got to look out for. So with that pain, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, like, are we, are we going to need a transfer here? Is this going to need to be a C-section? And my midwife, extremely knowledgeable, she basically reminded me that I had reported that same pain to her many times during my pregnancy, which is true. Uh, like during, you know, the biggest growing weeks from like 20 to 30 weeks or so, I would get round ligament pain, but also that unique lower belly pain, which I basically attributed to all my scar tissue stretching, possibly even tearing, but that's different than a uterine rupture. That is just scar tissue stretching. And so, of course, during contractions and during the time of needing to push, I thought to myself, okay, it's, it could be very normal. And she reminded me that it is very normal. And most especially, she reminded me that if it really were uterine rupture about to happen, my contractions would have stopped. Like my body would freeze up and basically stall labor because it now sees this other issue. And labor was most certainly not stalled. The contractions were definitely not stopping. So when she told me that, I thought, okay, okay, like I, I'm good, this is good. And I should also add that this whole time, my mom is just on top of it with so many prayers and so many relics. She had actually a true relic of St. Gerard, who is, you know, the patron of moms and childbirth. And she had St. Philomena oil. She's the patron of babies and moms and lots and lots of different prayers going on. And even though I wasn't really coherent enough to be like praying them with her, she was just praying them over me and bringing the relics and the oils and doing all these different things. And it was so helpful and supportive. And then of course, my husband there being completely helpful and supportive. I don't know how I would have done it without either one of them. And anyways, jump to kind of the end of the pushing. There was an aspect of mentally, I think I was, I was a little bit terrified of either something bad happening or of not being able to do it, even though I was so close to doing it. But it was like, you know, I never had before. And all the buildup of this experience, I was starting, I just felt like my body just wasn't doing it, like I was holding back or something. And so I finally just kind of mentally decided that I needed to absolutely tune out and and like basically go into it with like, An out-of-body experience is what it felt like. Like, that's how I would explain it. I just completely tuned out and surrendered and gave it all my might. And moments later, my little boy was put up on my chest. And it was seriously, it was the moment that I had just been visualizing and hoping for and praying for for such a long time. And I still was like a million, million times better than I even imagined just having him there that exact experience that I was deprived of the first two times around and to have him, he was instantly crying. Of course, some babies don't cry right away, but he cried right away, which was just like made it all the more dramatic and special and memorable. Oh my goodness. I can't even explain what that moment was for me. And I just was crying and crying and crying and my mom was crying and I just kept saying thank you, thank you to my midwife and to my baby because he helped me through it too. We did it together and it was just 
absolutely incredible. And I just thanked God again and again and again, because it really could have gone any, any way. Like I did as much as I could to prepare and as much as I could during and up to the moment of having him. But truly, God is in control. And that could have gone any way. And I was I was open to that. I was aware and I was willing to accept whatever way it would go. But the fact that it did go that way, I was just, I've never been so grateful for something in my entire life. It was such a huge moment for me. And I just felt like, okay, like that is that I am complete. Like I've been waiting for this and I am, I am complete. Absolutely wonderful. I'm going to stop harping on that before I completely lose it here. But the next couple of days, just soaking in all of his absolute snuggle, snuggle wonderfulness and loving on him. My older two were, you know, gone for the night with family and kind of most of the next day. So we were able to just really, uh, you know, soak in those moments with him and process what had happened. And it was just truly probably the biggest moment of my entire life. And going over like the next few days, the next, you know, now it's been two weeks. He's two weeks old today as I'm recording this. They were just, it was like everything, I was viewing everything through a new lens, a new perspective of being so grateful for what God had given me and, you know, our family, truly, I think everyone is going to reap the benefits of me being this like newly grateful, happy person because, of course, that just affects your husband and your kids and who you are and everyone in your life. And so for the next couple of weeks, it just felt like, of course, there was the physical healing to happen. But mentally, I just felt like total bliss, like everything just felt so perfect. And I was just so grateful. And basically, I want to, you know, partly record this and I've journaled it a few different times because I don't ever want to forget feeling this way. And I guess that's how I'll kind of relate it to, you know, someone else's story, perhaps if there was something that you prayed for for such a long time and then you got it there. I think there's like a quote somewhere that's like, remember, a lot of the things you have now are the things that you used to pray for. And I think so often we forget that. So I don't ever, ever want to forget what this experience did for me and did to me. And I will seriously thank God every single day for how it went. And actually something pretty darn cool that a couple of my sisters texted to me. So I didn't know this until the evening that I had had him. I had him around like 1.30 in the afternoon. But by the evening, they texted me the saint of the day for August 31st, which is when he was born, is Saint Raymond. And when I glanced at the calendar, I was like, oh, St. Raymond, like, that's not really significant. Like, I remembered, so my due date was September 12th, which is the Feast of the Holy Name of Mary. And I remembered thinking to myself, like, oh, that would be cool to have him on the Feast of the Name of Mary. Or if I have him four days early, that's the Nativity of Mary. Or if I have him two days late, it's the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. Or a couple days after that is Our Lady of Sorrows, like, all these big feasts. And so when he was born on St. Raymond, I was like, oh, St. Raymond, like, was that significant? I don't know much about St. Raymond. And my sisters read up on his story and texted me, St. Raymond was born by C-section. His mother actually died during childbirth, so that part isn't quite great to think about. But she she died before she had him, and so his dad actually cut him out. So this was, like, early 1200s. And so he was technically born by C-section, but then, you know, went on to live a great life and all that. But he is the patron saint of moms of C-sections 
and of midwives. So I'm not really sure why, but that is what he's patron of. And of course, I was having a home birth with a midwife as a mom with two previous C-sections. So absolutely crazy. I mean, not crazy, absolutely providential, totally God's will, not a coincidence there that that is the day he was born on. So St. Raymond is going to be my patron for little Nolan here. Nolan Ryan is his middle name. If you're a baseball person, you'll know that that's a famous baseball player that Uh, My husband is a big baseball fan, so that was a name that we both liked and agreed upon. And Nolan, little Nolan, has just been our little angel baby who, again, I am so beyond grateful for how that went and will always try to remember this level of gratitude and happiness. Of course, life is not perfect, and there have already been days and moments of, you know, now that my husband is back at work, it is definitely uh, a lot to juggle, three little kids. Um, but I have just been really trying to maintain that amount of gratitude and joy, that original joy that we felt and try to keep that through the rest of my days and the rest of my life. And I hope that, you know, this has been enjoyable for you, not just in the aspect of like listening to a birth story, but hopefully somewhat relevant and maybe pertaining it to something that you have prayed for for a long time or surrendering to God's will or being grateful for the things you get and not ever forgetting that level of gratitude and happiness and trying to maintain it throughout your days and throughout your life. And of course, I just needed to share this because it was such a pivotal moment for me that I think all of you who listen and follow needed to hear that because I just enjoy having a connection with my listeners and followers so that you guys can more genuinely appreciate all that I have to share and all the content that I put out there. So Thank you for listening. I did somewhat okay on my time crunch. I think I've got about five minutes to get me and the baby out the door for his two-week appointment. So that that worked out all right. And I can't wait to get to recording the rest of my podcast ideas. I have tons, but again, I really wanted to share that one first. So I hope you enjoyed and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Hey friend, I know your time is valuable, so I sincerely appreciate you tuning in today. If you feel so inclined, I always appreciate reviews on the podcast and I will always welcome shout outs on social media. My Instagram handle as well as private Facebook community are both linked in the show notes. Or what would be the most helpful is if you could just keep me and my mission here with the Crunchy Catholic in your prayers. I would appreciate that above all else. And of course, you my friends are always in my prayers. God bless you.